Welcome to Real History, shows what you know about history. On this podcast, we talk about historical movies and television, anything that claims to be based on a true story, and we check how bad did they mess it up? What was life actually like during that time period? Well, that's why we're here, to separate the real history from the real history. My name is Jacob Burrows, and I'm getting there with Viking history. I'm, I'm, I'm okay. I'm doing okay. And I'm Michael Tynan, and I think you're doing a fantastic job, Jacob. Thank you. Uh, my name's Mark, and I'm the third person on this podcast. <laughs> God, yeah, that's a great tagline. Um, so, Vikings, much like you're the third person on the podcast, we're on the third episode of our Vikings coverage, talking about the TV show Vikings that started in 2013. In the first episode, we talk about culture, uh, general myths about Vikings, uh, day-to-day life and history leading up to the Viking Age. Last episode, if you haven't heard it, it's a breakdown of the Viking Age from start to finish, touching on some major events. And in this episode, we want to dig into some of the main characters from the TV show and their real-life counterparts, if indeed there were real-life counterparts for some of them. Um, But yeah, I I guess that's pretty much where we're going to start, going through a few of these these famous Vikings. Uh, I think maybe we wanted to start with, I mean, Ragnar's the big one. Um, Ragnar's the big, the big, the big, the big bad. I think you wanted to start with Lagatha. Yeah, I thought I thought we'd start with Lagatha just because um, I I really like what the show um, did with her. Um, Catherine Winnick, is it? Yeah. yeah. Who, if you haven't seen the show, is the wife of the main character. She's Ragnar's Rag- first wife. Yeah, yeah in yeah. the TV show, uh, and in the, in the show, she's portrayed as Bjorn Ironside's mother. mother yeah. Although the sagas say Auslag is actually his mother. Who's who's uh, Ragnar's second wife in the show. I'm not sure why they did that, but um, interesting nonetheless. I just think I, I like that they they brought in uh, that character. She she is a character who is we don't think was a real person. Yeah. It's possible that she was, but um, probably fairly unlikely. The sources for her are the sagas, like, and in the sagas, she's doing things that are maybe you might call superhuman or you know these kinds of feats of uh, warrior skill that you, you maybe aren't really achievable by a normal person um but she's interesting for me because she she sort of represents in the show the concept of the shield maiden yeah and the shield maiden is is a, a concept largely from the sagas of, of female warriors who would fight in the line with other viking uh, soldiers, and I, I think that's an interesting thing, just because in the context of the of the area where the Vikings, the areas the Vikings are invading and and raiding and settling, that's really uncommon. Like, you're you're not going to come across Anglo-Saxon armies that have ranks of women fighting, um, whereas it does appear to some extent that certainly women came along on the expeditions. Often, uh, it looks like in sort of more support roles for the raiding parties. But there have been uh, archaeological finds that have women who are kitted out in the same way that a male counterpart warrior who has died would be kitted out. So it does appear that there is some level of evidence to suggest that there were actually female warriors. Um, Lagertha then in in the sagas is probably the most famous of these female warriors. Mm. So when they're choosing a character for the show, I just thought that was a really, really interesting way to do it. And I think some of it is to do maybe with Viking lore or, or, or more more accurately, uh, Danish, uh, Norwegian, and Swedish lore around the Valkyries, the, the, yeah. this sort of thing from myths, the, the, these women warriors who would spirit you along to Valhalla once you've died and whatever. So I think I think she sort of incorporates that the the feminine side of the warrior 
of the of the Northern Warrior, which which I just thought was really cool, and I really liked the way they they portrayed her in the show. That she's she's got plenty of agency. She becomes a jar a jarl or jarl is it? I, I think she's still an earl. Like they use the word earl. Do they her. use the word earl for her? It's so annoying the way to do it. It's so weird. Sometimes they're like jarl. Sometimes they're like jarl. Sometimes they're like earl. It's all the same sort of thing. I, I think remember. she becomes one in her own right. In yeah, the show, which is great. I, thought, I really like that. Isn't doesn't Ragnar? You you mentioned that like does Ragnar divorce her? She well, in the show. This is obviously not his star. In, in the show, yeah. she she leaves him after he after he uh, basically cheats on her with with his and then woman. takes basically a second wife. And then and he she's takes. Like, I'm not sticking around for yeah. this bullshit. I'm not putting up with your shit. See you yeah. later. So Fair she enough, she yeah. she goes off and marries a different girl, and then just kills him and takes his takes his title and his land and his warriors. Fantastic. Yeah, pretty cool. So I, I really like the way they portrayed her. Now, is that historically accurate? No. <laughs> Was she real? P- probably not. And, you know, yeah. Well, we were talking about this before. Like, it's kind of. I also tried to research a bit on Shield Maidens because it's one of those things that comes up a lot, obviously, because Valkyries are a huge thing mm. and we kind of have an idea that Shield Maidens were a thing. I don't know that they were as big of a thing as portrayed in the show where, right. you know, it's as not as many as the men when they go fighting but there's a lot of them it's, lot it's really them, hard right? to say um because we don't we have those like people who have been buried with weapons um but it's it's uh we don't have as many sources but the valkyrie thing kind of supports it in a way yeah that, culturally supports it yeah, yeah um and it's obviously a huge part of uh norse mythology mm-hmm. and warrior women are also central beyond valkyries like in in norse mythology as well uh, as well as the concept of like female giants who yes, are fucking yeah. fearsome too. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, all all interesting stuff. But so Lagatha in the sagas, I don't know if you would know, but is it like how close is that to the show? Is it? I, I assume it's more fantastical still. I think she becomes like king of a country or something. Yeah. So so like in, like in the in the show, there is, when she meets Ragnar's second wife, who as you might imagine. Well, you expect them to sort of knock it on, although they actually kind of do get on fairly well. But she says, "Oh, my people were 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 simple farmers." And Auslaug, this the second wife, said, "Surely nobody is a simple farmer." And she said, "No, my people were my people are were, were farmers." And she's trying to say they're from nothing. But in the sagas, uh, she is um, in some way related to king, to kings, and her story sort of comes apart comes a, comes about because one, like a, a, a I think it's a Norwegian king invades Sweden. Mm. And she's in Sweden, and she's part of this. She's part of like the, the the princess's sort of group. And as they're being mistreated, she takes a sword and basically butchers a load of the male soldiers. And her fame spreads to such an extent that the great Viking hero Ragnar Lothbrok finds her on purpose to marry her. Yeah, uh, okay. because her reputation is such that he's like, "That's the woman I want for my wife. Like this badass. I want, I want a badass wife. Like you know what I mean." So it's sort of the show doesn't really do that. The show just portrays them as they're humble farmers until Ragnar has a vision of the Allfather, and then you know. But it, but in the, the sagas, her her myth is is not it's not as extensive as Ragnar's, but she's certainly a, a an impressive figure, like an impressive mythic figure, you know. Um, the show wanted to be a little bit more subtle, I think, with the fantastic elements. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, a lot of the characters and things would be kind of, yeah, combinations. Well, similar to how, sorry, the, the people in the sagas mm. are probably like combinations of stories Absolutely. and things that have come together. So yeah. in the show, they're like, this is one of the, th- I don't think we mentioned as a historical 
quote unquote inaccuracy, but like the town of Katagat that they're in in yeah. the show, Katagat is the name of the strait between Norway, Denmark, and uh, Sweden. Yes. So calling the town Katagat is kind of a way of diffusing or making it diffuse where it actually is. Uh, so that it could be in any of those countries. Mm-hmm. Maybe we mentioned this in a previous episode. I don't know. I'm getting confused. But it's kind of an example of how they, uh, you know, make it a bit vague, but ground it at the yes, same time. Yeah. So Ragnar, yeah, there's later in the show, there's people talking about, you know, he says he's descended from Odin or whatever, but it's not like he grew up thinking that it's more like he is a simple farmer who then advances and then people start to tell stories and yes. rumors and yeah. that's what grows into what would be the sagas even though ragnar i guess we should get into him next mm-hmm. uh, whether he was real or not is probably also uh so, so sorry michael you're gonna say that. i just wanted and i wanted to know his surname lothbrook yeah so he, he gets referred to uh do it there's actually uh, one of the episodes that i watched recently and his family are referred to as the lothbrooks now that's wrong that, that that's wrong so lothbrook sort of sort of means like hairy breeches or hairy trousers and one of the elements of the saga is that his trousers are supposed to be magic right so <laughs> and, 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 and what they do is they prevent him from coming to harm where's that show <laughs> so yeah ragnar ragnar magic ragnar magic trousers is sort of what his name is which is kind of cool but also can we refer to him as by that for the rest of the podcast uh, maybe maybe it's important that we do like, <laughs> yeah one of my one of my actually just as an aside like one of my favorite things about a lot of these viking characters is their their nicknames yeah like, you know they all have these like maybe maybe hairy trousers magic trousers is the least of them but like i mean we talk about rollo the walker and there's ivor the boneless um harold hadrada which is like hard ruler there's yeah. eric Bloodaxe, you know <laughs> just harold Finehair. <laughs> it's great like you know yeah these are great and it's kind of a feature of the culture as well that the likes of odin kind of similar to uh the christian god of Yahweh, you mm. wouldn't necessarily refer to him as odin this is why there are so many different names for yeah. him and like names kind of have power <laughs> like because he's so exalted he he wouldn't be represented by figures to my understanding like they wouldn't yeah. have statues of odin i don't know that that's completely accurate um but they wouldn't name him directly in inscriptions it wouldn't say odin they'd refer to him as a, with a bunch of aliases there's one like gout Ug, but i think there was like he who shall not be named up to like a hundred oh just tons of them yeah just tons odin of them. specifically yeah. but like this is also kind of the case all these things like blood axe it sounds cool to us also but like i think it's kind of a sign of prestige that you've gone beyond the basics of just having a name and even obviously mm. like over time in sweden naming uh like the way people are named is kind of different to maybe a a, a more english approach or whatever where you know you named something son or whatever because that's where you get part of your prestige from as well right okay yeah so so you would take on son because your father is famous like so you could be called ragnar son yeah and it would if, be yeah. like in iceland i believe still the case right yeah that you're, you're, yeah you, you take your father's changes and from from generation to generation rather mm. than being the same actually i'm not sure how much that is kind of kept because it's a log- logistical nightmare but still Imagine that family tree, yeah? Disaster, yeah. 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 And I, this is incidental, but we talked about, in the last episode, we talked about farms and the, the gourd and mm. the, that concept. In Sweden, you also have, this would have been like not a Viking era development, it's later on, but you would have a name that's specific to your farm and that goes at the start of your name. So my friend oh. Carl, his, uh, while his last name might be Anderson, 
it would actually be the first bit of his name is his farm. So Tong Carl Anderson or whatever. So right, okay. And it, originally, before surnames were such a thing, it would be just, just Tong Carl, which is the name of the farm. So that well, we put that at the very start. Okay. This is kind of incidental, but since we're on about nicknames. No, but it, it, you can sort of see, yeah, how, how that... Because that's that's a lot of surnames derive from that kind of thing. Like you know, you you, you get you get characters in in uh, the medieval period who are like, you know, uh, Eric of whatever. And obviously that that's just you know you get people now whose surname is England or Ireland or yeah. you know, and it's, it's a similar kind of thing. Or or they or they're named after a town or you know that kind of thing. So and like Ragnar, sense. like Ragnar, is still just a normal name. That's like an old man name to me. And a lot of the names in this show. That seem fantastical <laughs> when I'm watching it with Una. Uh, like to me, it's like Knut. Yeah, it's a normal name. It means not. Of yeah. course, you would have that name. We have names like Stieg, which means path, and yeah. Stian is a completely normal name. It literally just means stone. But it's the same kind of names they have in this uh, yeah, show yeah, as yeah, well. Yeah. <laughs> I, there was a, there was a scene in the in the first or second series of the show where uh, Bjorn is in his first battle. With Ragnar, and he does really well in the battle, and they're they're obviously trying to big up the character of Bjorn because historically he's a, an absolute badass warrior. Like, but there's a there's a point at which they come to the end of the battle and they've won fairly easily, and Ragnar looks around at Bjorn and he looks like he hasn't even been in a battle. He's been completely untouched, mm. and Ragnar calls out in front of his men, "This is my son Bjorn, who hasn't who who has been unpierced by any blade and untouched by any you know he fr- from now on will be known as Ironside." And he actually he actually says it like because he his, he can't be pierced by a blade you know and that's sort of he sort of gets it's almost like a battlefield christening of this nickname yeah. and he carries it for the rest of his life I think I think it's really cool like. and with all of that Ragnar's nickname is Magic Pants yeah. <laughs> Magic Pants yeah, it's yeah. A, it reminds me a little bit of uh, getting off oh, back to Rome again but you know their Romans had a habit of na- if um, say for example a general had a won a great battle and took over parts of um Ger- germania for example then they might name their son germanicus yeah you know in yeah. that honor or in honor of the britannicus in honor of yeah. taking on we saw that with the emperor claudius he named his scipio son africanus yeah. Yeah. He, yeah this kind of thing yeah. as well so different but you can see similar, where, similar yeah. kind of it's in the same vein it's all about glorifying you yeah basically yeah. Yeah. yeah so i feel like i got us off on a tangent but ragnar anyways <laughs> So Ragnar is one of those characters in history. I, I like to refer to them as composite characters. Yeah. So uh, without being too controversial, like uh, Jesus is a composite character. So there, so there's, there are sources that would back up elements of the of of this man existing, Ragnar existing. There are fragmentary uh, records from West Francia, what's what the place we now call France, that reference raids being led by a man called Ragnar. One of the sieges of Paris is led by a man called Ragnar. Uh, there's references to a man called Ragnar uh, shipwrecking off the coast of Wessex ten years before the raid at Lindisfarne. And then some people suggest that's what gave him the idea to come and attack England. Mm. So when he attacked Lindisfarne, they say this was Ragnar. There isn't really proof. You can't really say that this is the same Ragnar. The timeline in the show... And the timeline generally with these characters that we're going to talk about, they're not going to line up. 
and they're not going to line up because the writings, the sources are fragmentary, and a lot of the a lot of the like the historical sources are fragmentary, and the other sources are sagas, yeah. and the sagas don't really care about the timeline. It's not what they're about. It, mm. They're about storytelling rather than factual history. They are often based on How things. How much that did happen. they sacrifice to tell a great story? Exactly right. Boom. Yeah, yeah. Do you tell the history you're or do you tell the myth? Like you tell the watching myth. Braveheart and trying to reconstruct what actually happened sort of, yeah. based on yeah that. yeah and, it, and it's in a period it's in a period of time in europe where you know like sources are at a premium like we were saying in the other episode it's it's the end of the dark ages like you know and it is dark in terms of the writing you know most of it is is um from monasteries it's christian writing which is why characters like ragnar come to us from the christian sources as almost like a devilish an evil figure i mentioned the quote like save us Save us, O Lord, from the fury of the Northmen. Like this, this whole thing that they're this, they've descended upon Christendom to punish them for their avarice. This was the feeling that the Church put out, which sort of feeds into the cool idea of who the Vikings are. Um, so Ragnar himself, it's kind of like fucking uh, <laughs> rock and roll, like just making it cooler by condemning it. <laughs> yeah, they're accidentally making them more, yes, yeah, sexier. Like basically, <laughs> like you know, um, so. Ragnar himself, it's very difficult to say whether this is one man or not. I would suggest there were multiple people called Ragnar or there were there was a, a famous Ragnar and later feats, achievements successful raids just became over time attributed to this man Ragnar. Mm. Um, so it looks like he, he sort of bursts onto the scene in, in, the, in the, the end of the 8th century and the, the early 9th century. And this is a time where um, Charlemagne, like I was saying earlier, is, is still the emperor. Um, and he, can, he controls France, Holland, Belgium, much of Germany, Italy. And he's very well known in the, in the, the Viking world. He's well known in, to the Northmen because he's, he's carried out a, a brutal war in what's now um, the, sort of the, the borderlands between um, the Netherlands and Germany against a tribe called the Saxons, who are, who are pagans. And the brutality of this war is such that it's it's quite famous. The kings that the and when I, when we say kings, they're petty kings. They typically yeah. they have small kingdoms that exist in Denmark in particular are well aware of who Charlemagne is. Um, and it's in that context that Ragnar's that the stories of Ragnar comes onto the scene. The original Viking raids start to happen. So he he's not operating in in a, in a in a way that the show maybe portrays like he's never heard. There's a place called Francia. You know he knows. But you know, a, a, a legendary Viking warrior would know that this place, Frankie, exists. Um, and in fact, the political weakness that existed in that area after the death of Charlemagne is probably the reason why the raid started. So, fifteen years after Charlemagne has died, in the eight thirties, you start to see severe raids happening along the French coast. And some sources are saying the raids of Ragnar Lothbrok, the raids of Ragnar, are to, Ragnar's come again. You know, he becomes a boogeyman. Yeah. You know, go to bed, Ragnar's coming. That yeah, sort is, of thing starts building up. Which is honestly like a perfect character to make your show about too because it is kind of yeah. trying to make a composite of different parts of the Viking Age and he potentially is popping up here and there. Like it doesn't make sense that the Ragnar we see at the start of the show that his brother would be Rollo who no. participated in events almost 100 years later. Yeah. But with Ragnar as a concept popping up later in Viking history as well and we don't really know where if he existed if he was one person or several people Mm. and yeah it just makes it 
a good thing because there is enough vagueness there that you can spin the story the way you want it. Yeah, exactly. So I was having this conversation with a friend of mine, and, and the reason I, m- I mentioned the analogy to Jesus earlier is because the, I was I was sort of making the same point. Like if you look at the the, the four gospels in the Bible, like they don't all agree with each other about where Jesus was at certain times, and the reason they don't agree with it is because it's more than one person. You know, there's a, there's a reference, there's a historical reference to a preacher called Joshua Bar Joseph. Now Joshua is the same name as Jesus; it's just in, in Hebrew. But then there's also decent evidence to suggest that John the Baptist is is a real person. But it actually looks like that's the same guy. And and the, the Jesus story is a sort of a composite of stories about John the Baptist and Joshua bar Joseph. They don't line up. They're not in the same places when they're meant to be. He's called Jesus of Nazareth, but he was born in Bethlehem. Why? Okay, save it for our Passion of the Christ. Okay. <laughs> okay. So the same thing holds on, on Ragnar. He can't be everywhere. He can't yeah. be somewhere in the year 9-11 and at the same time have been the guy who carried out the raid on Lindisfarne. It just doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. It's ne- and it's never going to add up. And that's true for a lot of these, a lot of these uh, characters. But in any case, he is, he is a, a, a co- sort of a culture hero for the Vikings in their own time. He becomes a, he becomes a sort of a rallying cry. And so famous is he that when the great heathen army attacks England, that is, in a literary sense, that's referred to as the revenge of the sons of Ragnar. Mm. Now, are these guys literally his sons, the leaders of the great heathen army? Possibly. It is possible that they're the sons of a man called Ragnar. But it's very, very difficult to say. More just following in the tradition of Ragnar. Yeah, in the same, in the same way that uh, the Romans call themselves the sons of Mars. This is what I wanted to ask as well, because obviously in the show, they are the sons of Ragnar, like Bjorn, or I'm Bjorn, Bjorn is how you would say his name, Bjorn and Ivar, the boneless, yeah. and all of these characters are, are what's his face, snake in the eye. Secret snake in the eye. <laughs> yeah, they're, uh, you know, uh, they're actually his sons, but you're saying it could be that they're like culturally in the same They're way culturally that, his kids in yeah. the same way that ragnar is like yeah i'm the son of odin or the descendant of odin right. you connect yourself to these semi-mythical figures to enhance yourself yes exactly and the, i think the show does a really good job of showing a man who's reasonably content being a farmer until he comes across odin and yeah. he has this this moment of inspiration it's the hero's journey sort of thing isn't it like you know so he's presented with this vision or he's sort of uh He's invited on a journey, basically, by the by the god Odin. Now. And and the legends of of Ragnar are that he he's he's said to be descended of, of Odin. Now, whether a, a historical Ragnar would ever actually have claimed that, I would suggest probably not. Like to be honest, in any case, there is a a historical Ragnar or somebody with that name at least who was attacking um, the French coast the west Francia coast in the 830s and up to 841 uh, 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 they they attempt something which they will later do with rollo they give him land to get him to go away mm. so they, they make him the duke of frisia which is quite a, a pretty decent chunk of land and they're like you hold on to that there but various political things happen whereby he sort of he doesn't Firstly, he doesn't want to be there because he wants to be Viking. He doesn't want to be ruling the land or whatever. And he doesn't want to fight other Northmen. He wants to fight the weak Christians. Um, so he doesn't. it doesn't last there very long. But he is granted that plot of land, um, which is something that obviously they repeat later. The reason I mention that is one of the leaders of the, the Great Heathen Army is a man called Uba, who is Uba Ragnarsson. He's the Duke of Frisia. Uh, so yeah. 
it's possible he's inherited that title from this Ragnar. So it does lend some credence to the idea that maybe maybe he is a real guy. And maybe that's the guy that the sagas are built around. Mm, you yeah. know? So it's it's very possible that that's the case. Because you can definitely, like, in retrospect, say that exactly. he was there at these different points as well. And maybe there was a different Ragnar. And then people start naming their kids Ragnar because it's a popular, yeah. you know, yeah. figure. And, and he, Ragnar also sieged Paris. There is a Ragnar... Uh, alleged to be leading a, a very significant Northman force. Is this the Paris. same siege we talked about last No, time? it's a different, yeah. it's a different <laughs> siege. Like, this is the mad thing. So this is a yeah. siege, you know, 20 years earlier or 30 years earlier than, or maybe 40 years earlier even, than when Rollo turns up. Um, Ragnar is paid what's called Danegeld. They pay him to leave. Danegeld? Danegeld, yeah. So is that J, uh, G-A-N-G? No, they, like Dane, as in D A N E. Like Danish gold, yeah. Dane gold. So they pay him what they call Dane gold to leave. <laughs> the French are just like, oh, just fuck off. I'm trying to trying to deal with my brother is trying to kill me, and you know the yeah. dukes are rebelling and all of this. So he he's he's sent away now. I would suggest that the stories of that inspired Rollo in 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 later decades, where he thought to himself, they're probably weak enough. If I bring a big enough force, I can have a go with these guys. And worst case scenario, they'll give me Danegeld. Yeah. Do you know? So, so Ragnar is is taking advantage, as Rollo later does, of the weakness of the French political system. Um, and and France is, is politically weak from the death of Charlemagne. He does have one son, Louis the Pious, but he's not he's not as strong the way Charlemagne was. And then the kingdom splits in three. But even had that not happened, the local rulers, it's it's all very fractious. And France remains fractious for centuries, really. I mean, for a long time, the French king only really controls the land around Paris. Yeah. <laughs> you know? So this Ragnar character is sort of involving himself in that. Um, there's there's uh, some evidence to say he attacked the Isle of Anglesey in Wales. There is a, there is, uh, a suggestion that a Ragnar attacked there and died in that attack. There is also evidence to suggest he died in Ireland on a raid. Um, but the most sort of famous story is he shipwrecked um, when attempting to return to England, a place he has, he's raided many times. Um, and in the shipwreck, the, the king of Northumbria, who's a man called Ayla, he, he sort of jumps on this opportunity. I've got Ragnar Lothbrok. So he, he basically, he arrests him, brings him, into, brings him into chains, and he holds him as prisoner. We see some sort of, do they not have some sort of a, sh- a sh- uh, part of what, I think it might be series three maybe, where he is imprisoned by one of the Northumbrians? Yeah, 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 yeah. It's, it's, it's referenced, it's referenced in the show, it's actually shown his death and everything is in the show, like it's yeah. in the later series. It's, it's really well done. Um, but yeah, in reality, Ayla takes him in, um, although look, there's some debate if Ayla was even real. But there, there was the king of North. <laughs> there's like the big asterisks above yeah, every discussion we're having yeah. right now, and maybe this happened. <laughs> yeah, I mean, don't bet your house on it. You know, yeah. yeah. <laughs> A big thing about why why he's there in the first place is this king of the, in Denmark, Horik, who I mentioned earlier, under pressure from the from the from the French. Uh, the empire he gets he cracks down on some vikings and he actually expels ragnar from yeah. his lands in, in denmark so he's got to go somewhere so he's like right i'll fucking go back to england and have another go with these these, these agents like yeah. it, was, it was easy the last time you know <laughs> but he gets shipwrecked anyway and ayla, ayla takes him in um and what what the suggestion is in in sort of in the sagas and and what historians are suggesting is capturing ragnar is a big thing for ayla and ayla is going to use this as a propaganda 
thing. Like I'm going to be the king that kills Ragnar Lothbrok. Like, you know, yeah, worked out great for him. Yeah, yeah. I mean, massive backfire. I mean, just just a, <laughs> just a catastrophic backfire. So what he does is he he uh, according to the sagas. Now bear in mind, Ragnar fights dragons and serpents and stuff in the sagas, but he's wearing his magic trousers, and they try and shoot him full of arrows, and they can't. They can't kill him. <laughs> So Ayla, magic trousers wins again. Yeah, good old magic pants. <laughs> so Ayla does something that's very uh, unlikely, but according to the sagas, he basically strips some of his trousers, throws them in his boxer shorts into into a pit, and then fills the pit with snakes. Ouch! And uh, look, I, I, is is any of this true? Probably not. But but this Chekhov's uh, snake pit is shown in se- in season one of Vikings, you know, and then it uh, would I actually haven't gotten that far in the rewatch anyway. But yeah, I, knowing that tidbit of actual history, it, it it's a moment in the first series uh, that makes you go ah ah snake pit, yeah, a punishment yeah, that the- has sort of gone out of fashion over the century. <laughs> you know, it's logistically a nightmare, but for propaganda purposes, it's great. Yeah, yeah it's big. What's the fortune to feed these snakes? <laughs> Yeah. You have to keep sacrificing people to feed them. It's I, a, it's a, yeah, Ragnar at this point as well, I mean, he's been married at least twice, uh, probably three times, according to the sagas, anyway. His second wife is this, he was a woman who's in the show Auslag, who, who, is, who is the daughter of a sort of a legendary warrior king called Sigurd. Yeah, which they make a big thing of in the show. It's really mm. interesting how, you know... The, the conversations around it go in the fiction of the show of being like and her father is Sigurd of all of whom we have all heard and who slayed a dragon who slayed and a like dragon, yeah. even like other characters that come in will be mentioned as like yes they slayed a dragon or whatever all these different things yeah and her mother is said to be the, uh, the great shield maiden Gunhilde yeah you know which is which is kind of you know so th- this woman has fame on the basis who her, of who her parents are and the idea that she's, she's a fitting match for Ragnar who is the most famous Viking in the world like you know Mm. Um, she's also supposed to have sort of mystical powers. She's supposed to be able to commune with the gods, or she had, she had the clairvoyance and this mm-hmm. kind of stuff, like, um, which is in the show. Like the show, straight up is kind of fantasy. Once we get to that point, yeah, and it's yeah. like, yeah, we're predicting the future, and you know, etc. Um, but Ragnar is, is, in terms of his children, is he's pro- fairly prolific. Like he's a he's a bunch of sons. Like, um. In the show, they portray Bjorn Ironside to be the to be the, the son of uh, of Lagerter, but the the sources and the, and the, the saga say he's he's actually the son of Auslag, and, yeah. and and doesn't I don't think they ever actually say that he's the eldest son, but in the show, it's very clear that he's the he's the eldest, so he's Ragnar's sort of heir or one of his heirs. But when Ragnar is in the pit, they're, they're, the saga have him relate certain things. He's actually he like here's what he's going to say, sort of thing, and he's referencing his sons, and he says. How the little piggies will grunt when they hear the old boar suffered. <laughs> so he's basically says that's what he says to Ayla, you know, like uh, you might you might kill me, but my sons will come for you. Like you know, this, this, great this last words. <laughs> well, they weren't even his last words. Huh? I give you, I give you his last words. Um, so he says uh, when Ayla's trying to you know boasting over him, I'm about to kill. You're not so great, Ragnar Lothbrok. You're just a man, and I'm going to kill you or whatever. He says it gladdens me to know that Odin prepares for a feast. Soon I shall be drinking from cur- uh, ale from curved horns. This hero that comes into Valhalla does not lament his death. I'll not enter Odin's hall in fear. There I shall wait for my sons to join me. And when they do, I will I will bask in their tales of triumph. The Aesir will welcome me. My death, my death comes without apology, and I welcome the Valkyries to summon me home. 
which is pretty badass last yeah. words. Unlikely if you're being bitten by snakes, yeah. I would suggest, <laughs> if like, that's what you're saying. Uh, like, the little piggies, ah, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> fuck, 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 yeah. Uh, pretty, pretty unlikely, okay, but uh, that's what that's that what speech you... speech actually, like, took two days. Yeah, <laughs> right, exactly. Right. So that's what he's uh, alleged to have said. Um, now, it is true to say that when... Uh, when the leader or a Viking leader dies, it is, this Ragnar, if he was real, there is a reprisal attack and it is the biggest Viking attack that has ever taken place. This it, is the... It's the Great Heathen, Heathen Army, Army which we spoke about, about earlier. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, the, the leaders of this force, I, I, I sort of I, I sort of talked a little bit about Bjorn Ironside, um, who is sort of a, a famous Viking in his own right for his uh, raids in the Mediterranean. And he is a man who becomes King of Sweden, which they show in the show as well towards the end. Um, uh, even his grave is alleged to have been found. One thing I wanted to say, at this time, Jake, Sweden is just a coastline, isn't it? It's um, not like where you're from. That area, would it, would it have been... Well, they go to Uppsala, right? Which isn't quite they the do. coast. Uh, which I, I, I think I said, why the fuck would you go to Uppsala uh, walking? Like, you easily get there by a boat and then do a little walking at the end, but whatever. It also doesn't really look like the way we see it in the show. But Uppsala is actually the town I was born in. Um, it's like an hour from Stockholm, north-ish, not quite on the water. Um, so, you know... It's it's basically the coasts. Uh, I think for for all of these regions, they've sort of developed a bit further inland, where they've been able to clear woods, etc. But mm. yeah, it's definitely along the coast, which is still the case today. Most of the population mm. would, uh, but live there. yeah, but there's also uh, lakes and waterways that would allow people to you know travel quite smoothly as well. So I I don't know the concentration of settlements, but you can look at where are their rune stones, and there's certainly most of them along the coasts uh, and uh, Gotland, the island as well, has fucking heaps of them. Um, so the, the, his sons that are alleged to be involved, the leaders, are uh, Bjorn Ironside, Ulbe, the guy I mentioned, he was the Duke of the Frisians, Vitserk, who becomes the new king of Northumbria after they, they, they butcher Ayla. And when I say they butcher him, they blood eagle him. And that's, that's, a, that's a, a sort of a ceremonial murdering where what they do is they they, they basically make a, a series of like surgical incisions to your back and they they pull your uh, they pull your uh, rib cage open and then they then they pull your lungs out through your back over your over your over your rib cage it's it brutal it, it's it? absolutely brutal but that's what that's what they do to Ayla like so this this is the, the revenge of the sons of Ragnar and everyone's thinking okay they've knocked over Northumbria and they've killed the king no they're not done there they're not done there at all. As I mentioned in the, in the earlier thing, they keep knocking over the kingdoms and they, you know, they eventually have the battle with Alfred the Great. Viturk, one of Ragnar, allegedly one of Ragnar's sons, he becomes the king of Northumbria. The Great Heathen Army has various, you know, various things happen. So um, just so I'm keeping track in relation to the characters in the show, is Bjorn and Ivar, Ivad, are they both in the Great Heathen yeah, Army? Kind they're both, of? They're both yeah. there. Yeah. But once the Dane law is kind of established, because I know you were talking a lot about uh, Bjorn going south and everything, mm-hmm. like, uh, do they kind of, things kind of split up? They yeah, they, they, they sort of split up. The thing is, like I, I was sort of mentioning in the earlier episodes, there isn't a unified one vision of what we're going to do because they're not from a country. Do you know what yeah. I mean? This isn't like yeah. one king directing a raid. They've all got their own agendas sort of thing. Ivor, uh, Ivor the Boneless, I, I wanted to talk a little bit about. I, I have a sort of a particular interest in him because he's said to have been the king of Dublin. Mm. And he came from Dublin for this battle and brought a lot of Norse girls, a lot of Irish lads with him. 
to invade England. So for any Irish people listening, it's not always the English invading Ireland. Sometimes it's the Irish invading England. And um, he was particularly vicious and brutal and was said to have been a, a battlefield genius. Ivor was the one who developed most of the, or a lot of the plans, or a lot of the credit is given to him for the battles that they won throughout these, the, the Great Heathen Army's sort of 12-year uh, sacking of England. Um, one thing I, I thought was interesting about him, you know, we were talking about nicknames. Uh, there's a lot of theories about why he's called the Boneless. The show takes one particular sort of lean on this, um, but as I was saying earlier, look, the sources are the source. We don't actually know. Why he's called the bonus? The show go with the theory that he's born with an issue with the bones forming in his legs, so he can't walk. Uh, I love the way they did it in the show. Actually, I love yeah. the way, I love the way the actor portrays. It's really really good, especially the 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 early scenes where he's braced his legs together, um, and he's sort of crawling along the ground. And I like that it, it portrays his viciousness. And I'll, exp- I'll explain why I like that in a minute. There are. I just wanted to point out some of the other. Um, theories as to why he's called the bonus one of the reasons given is that in combat he was said to have not worn armor he's he's and he was supposed to just be snake-like in his movements like he was extraordinarily agile and fast and he would like like somersault over things and like duck under shots and they said he moved as if he has no bones Mm. so he moved like a serpent and one of the I know, I know that sounds kind of mad, but remember his mother is Auslog, who's the daughter of the man who who slayed the dragon, like you know, the, or allegedly slayed the dragon. So associating him to uh, serpents wouldn't be wouldn't be out of the out of, out of the realm yeah. of possibility. One of his brothers is called Seagird Snake in the Eye, you know, and yeah. he's he's sometimes also called the son of sorcery, Seagird Snake in the Eye, like which pretty cool um so this is all when i hear it i'm like god i want to go off and read or write some fantasy right yeah i know yeah i know it writes itself yeah son of sorcery yeah so so that was that was one and then there is another less flattering one which is that it's said that he uh some people think he's called the boneless because he had he was impotent and uh yeah so which i would suggest probably unlikely because you know pretty dangerous guy now there is one other thing which i actually think is pretty likely um so the reason why he's referred to as Ivor the boneless is because when the re- when the when the sources were being written about him they're written in latin because they're written by uh they're written by um uh monks and and you know they were the people who could write <laughs> in yeah, the day the only people now he's called he's called ivar exosus exosus right mm-hmm. so if that's two words exos that means without bones but if that's one word Exosis, it means the hated. Uh, Ivar the hated. Or or Ivar the despicable. Or Ivar the demon. Let's go with that. Yeah. And I I think, given Mark. Given, <laughs> given that he's he's really, really well known as being absolutely devious, and he just, would just outthink people, and like you just couldn't kill him. He'd always win the battles he was in. He was infuriating. It didn't matter how many men he had, he would still somehow win. He was hated in the Western world, particularly by the Christians. He was brutal in how he would treat uh, monasteries. Um, he's an extremely important figure in the Viking Age. Um, on it, that, I just want to say as well that I've read some different theories, etc., on the name and mm. the meaning of it. Um, in modern Swedish, bone and leg is the same word still, like being 
means both bone and leg. Okay. Uh, I saw some theories about, you know, could have been he had problems with his bones or his legs and the impotence thing also played into that. But I just th- think that's an interesting, another linguistic thing. To yeah, it, 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 it is interesting. Like, if you weren't good at Latin, you yeah. could easily make the mistake of exorcist and exorcist. It's very easy to do. Like you know, you can do. You can imagine the 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 ease at which you would make if you're writing on a piece of fucking parchment in candlelight, and you've you never know? you don't actually know about who this person was. Well, you don't you're know just who he copying is. Copying something down. Oh, there's so many translation things. Interestingly, I was saying in the first episode on Vikings that the women wore like boxes uh, as jewelry, and a mistranslation at one point led people to think for a long time that they bound their breasts so they wouldn't grow with using these boxes or whatever but that was literally just translating something wrong yeah you know and yeah. that can form historical super common for hundreds of years yeah 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 it's super 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 common like let's bring back to the bible but that's why people say the virgin mary it doesn't actually say that it says young girl mary she's not you know it depends on what way yeah. you, you translate it anyway i don't want to anger the christians again um save it for a da vinci code save it for, yeah exactly yeah and every time i say it, you give me a different movie like, yeah. save for the passion of christ <laughs> save for the da vinci code but ivar um uh he's he's super important because he is associated with a dynasty of kings in dublin a, a historical dynasty a real a real dynasty who are called the eimar right and they they are the hydrachs of the Irish Sea. That means they're the sea kings. Mm. They're the kings of Dublin, but they also control the Isle of Man. They also control some of the islands off the coast of uh, Scotland. They generally, in a, a bad war situation, could bring to heel the other Viking towns on the coast of Ireland, so Wexford and Waterford, would sort of accept the dominance of the Eimer. And they're in power for a long, long time. I mean, a couple of centuries, this, this same sort of group. And it's... The sources referencing him, it looks like it's the same guy. So, um, when he arrives to the to the to, for the, the great heathen army, the big invasion of England, like he hasn't got as far to come maybe as the rest of them because he's just coming from Dublin around you know around the corner. So he he's a he's a, a very very important figure from from uh, that uh, that respect. But I just thought it was interesting that in the show he sort of becomes almost the principal villain. Because he's so, he's just so evil, like you know. Mm. And I thought that's a brilliant portrayal of of Ivar the Baldus because he is this, like, hated, absolutely hated figure, even by other Vikings, because he's so vicious and duplicitous and stuff. So I just loved the way they did it in the show. Uh, he's a, he's a he's a pretty fascinating character. So that's the uh, the Sons of Ragnar, yeah. Very good. And um, obviously, we went into Rolo to an extent mm. last episode. But if we have a bit more time now, if you want to unpack anything in particular, because uh, obviously he became Duke of Normandy eventually. And basically, the whole concept of Normandy and Normans exists yeah. because of him. But are there more things you want to? Yeah. So he, he's an interesting figure, Rollo the Walker. Um, he is, So his father was a was a jarl in Norway. And when a another figure from the show, uh, Harold Finehair, when he comes to, to power as the sort of... He sort of gets a lot of the petty kings to unite under him and agree that he's the king of all Norway. Um, but a lot of them don't sort of like it. And they leave. Now, in that process, Rollo's father's land is sort of, is sort of taken from him and Rollo is exiled. Um, so what he does is he gathers together a bunch of other people who've also been exiled or don't really like Harold Finehair. Incidentally, it's the inspiration behind the beginning of the story in Assassin's Creed Valhalla. That's what happens. It's Harold Finehair takes the throne. They don't like it, so they leave. Mm. That's why they go to England. 
that's Rollo's story, sort yeah. of. Only he doesn't go to England. Well, he might have gone to England, but he definitely goes to France. We know for sure he went to France. Um, so he he basically uh, he he does what this Ragnar, this historical Ragnar, Ragnar figure did. And he decides, I'm going to take advantage of this, this state of France right now. They're, they're fighting with each other. They haven't really recovered from the former raids. He might make me a duke, like he gave Frisia to Ragnar. What he made me, give me some land. He attacks Rouen, like I was saying earlier. He never gives it up, <laughs> basically. Like, he sees his powers with a very large force. Uh, and it is true that in the end, uh, Charles the Bald, who's the the king there, uh, not not the best name, Charles the Bald, uh, not not quite as cool as the Walker. It was it, it, maybe it was the Bold, and it was another mistranslation. You never know. Doubtful uh, for this guy. He was pretty useless <laughs> as kings go. So, um, but yeah, so so he he's responsible for all these vicious raids, and in any case, he becomes the Count of Rouen first so he's not actually the Duke of Normandy, but it eventually becomes the Duchy of Normandy. Now that's pretty important because. Since he is the founder of that state, Rollo is uh, the ancestor of pretty much every European royal house. Yeah. And the reason for that is when he takes the land in Normandy, he, he is he's, he, him and his descendants, his first son is called Robert Longsword, which is pretty cool as well. Um, and Robert is the name he's said to have taken, the Christian name he's said to have taken. Um, we can't really prove that, but that's what we think. Um, he... He integrates himself into the into the feudal system really, really quite well, and his men and he and he marry locals, marry the local Gallo-Roman and and Frankish nobles, and this sort of blend of cultures is what creates the Normans, as as we as we sort of later know them. Now, we have an idea of what they're like from from their conquering of England and their arrival into Ireland and stuff, but it's it should be said that they did they didn't stop there in the ten fifties. The Normans maybe maybe trying to outdo their ancestors attack Sicily and they conquered Sicily from the Muslims who controlled it now they're Christianized at this point the Normans so you can imagine the Pope going excellent we got some Christians coming in here to take it over they also conquered the south of Italy like, they take over yeah. Naples uh, their leader Bohemond becomes one of the leaders of the first crusade yeah. so he's the, he's, the, he's a duke in Sicily and, and they captured Antioch so I mean this guy this one Viking leader who's exiled from Norway is the is the ancestor of peoples who conquer Sicily, take over the Holy Land, they conquer half of Italy. They have this massive control uh, in the north of France. And when when we get to the year 1066, Rollo's, I think it's his fourth great-grandson, um, is William the Bastard. Right? 1066, important year for everyone keeping track yes, of where we're impor- at. Yes, important year. Now, there's a, there's a problem at play. Uh, in England... Um, We've had the Danelaw, and we've had Wessex, and we've had various politicking, politicking going on. Um, and at a certain point, a, a very prominent Danish leader called Canute actually succeeds in taking out Wessex. Yeah. And he becomes the king of England. So the king of England is the king of Denmark. Yeah. So England is conquered. This is not something that you probably hear too often in history, but England is full-on conquered by Denmark, which is pretty mad. Um but on Knut's death, again, there's political strife. Who's going to succeed? What's going to happen? You know, The guy who should be the king of Wessex is a man named Edward. He is ushered back to Wessex and crowned. And he's a famous figure called Edward the Confessor. He becomes king of England, essentially, uniting the Saxon kingdoms under an Englishman, finally. Um, but there's a, lot of, there's a lot of stories about him spending a lot of time in Normandy sort of under the protection 
of the House of Normandy, you know, mm. under the protection of Rollo's ancestors. And while there... Descendants? Descendants, sorry, yeah, yeah descendants and ancestors, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and while there, it's alleged by the Duke, uh, uh, William, that Edward promised uh, the throne of England to him on his death. Because yeah. he said, I don't have a successor or whatever. Now, if you're the Duke of Normandy, you would say that, of course, yeah, obviously. Yeah. So anyway, Edward, the successor, goes back to England, or uh, it goes back to England, and it's 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 sort of there, there, there's a lot of political wrangling going on there too. Um, there are various Saxon nobles are jockeying for position. Um, one of whom is a, is a, a guy called uh, Harold Godwinson. He's Harold, the son of Godwin, and Godwin is his great warrior, and um, he has a falling out with his brother, a guy called Tostig, who flees. And he goes to Norway to try and recruit one of Canute's relatives and he said you should take the throne so now we've got two sort of plots at play the Normans invade everyone knows the Normans invade but the Norwegians also invade yeah and this is the story we don't hear mm. the king of Norway at this time is a distant cousin of Canute so he invades along with Harold's uh, brother Tostig and this is a man called Harold Hadrada which is hard ruler who is uh, for me, sort of one of my one of my favorites. <laughs> He's referred to in history as the last Viking, and all the things we've been talking about in the timeline and the greatest hits in the different areas. Hardrada is the guy that unifies all of it together. So at a point in time, he was exiled from Norway, just like Rollo was. Instead of going west, he went east. He became the commander of the uh, of the Varangians in uh, in Kiev. So he was he was with the, the Rus in Kiev. After he finished doing a bit of that. He sailed south, went down to Constantinople, where he became the commander of the personal guard of the emperor, the Varangian guard. Yeah. In his capacity as that, he was part of a force that invaded Sicily, uh, trying to reconquer it for the Byzantines. He let, Once he'd made all this money and his fame was wide, he was a really, really famous guy, he came back to the north, tried to take the throne of Denmark while he was there, just for the laugh, I'll have a go at that. Didn't manage it. But his enemies in Norway were gone. So he claimed the throne of Norway, as one does. Bearing in mind, the guy's only in his forties, like, and he's done all of this, like, you know. Now it sounds like at that point he's almost got Viking bingo. He just has to head over to. <laughs> the England. only thing he hasn't done is raid England and England or Ireland, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's 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 a great way of putting it. Like he's Viking bingo, oh. yeah. So Tostig, who who uh, has a falling out with his brother Harold. And Harold Godwinson uh, is largely accepted by the other Saxon nobles as as the the rightful successor because he's the most powerful Saxon Sorry, noble. I'm get, I think I'm getting confused. Yeah, it's Harold Hardrada is the Viking, the yeah. last Viking, mm-hmm. and there's another Harold. Harold Godwinson is uh-huh. the is the is the lead Saxon noble right. under the king. Yeah, the king is dying. We can call him Harry. Mm. Yeah. Harry. I'll just call Harry. him Godwinson and Hardrada. Yeah, yeah. So so Godwinson uh, when. King Edward dies, calls the thing together, calls the calls the Council of Nobles together, and they elect him king. Mm. William in Nor in Normandy hears about this and he's like, hang on, the throne was promised to me. So he's furious. Meanwhile, Hadrada in Norway, he doesn't care who's been crowned. He's like, This is my show. Yeah. The English are disunified, I'm gonna have a go with them. So he gathers together his Viking army, the last great Viking army really, and he invades the north of England. So he comes into the, 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 the modern county of York, or Yorkshire. So he's up in the north of England. Meanwhile, William the Bastard rallies a bunch of Normans, gets some Bretons, gets some local Frisians, a lot of lads, a lot of mercenaries, and he invades the south of England. 
So Godwinson has been the king for f- about five minutes, and now he's been invaded by two Vikings. Yeah. Basically, like one is a Norman and one is the king of Norway. So he rushes his army north first, and in a highly uncharacteristic of Hardrada, he catches them asleep. Mm. He catches them unprepared for battle at a place called Stamford Bridge, and they butcher the Norwegian army. It's vicious. And the Battle of Stanford Bridge is a famous, it's a famous, uh, famous event in, in 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 yeah, and it's it's it, it's sort of in a way it's the end of the Viking age. Yeah, exactly. The, this year certainly, but these two battles are what ends mm. it. So he he he's butchered. Uh, Hadrada is fifty one or fifty two around during that age, but fights in the in the battle like like a lunatic. The guy is covered in scars from all of his battles and whatever, but he he's killed on the bridge um, despite their sort of stout defence. It's just too much of a surprise attack. Godwinson then wheels the Saxon army around and goes on a lightning march to get them south because William the Bastard has arrived in Hastings um, on the south coast. So in 13 days he makes it from Yorkshire to the south coast of England, which is very, very fast. And if you're marching an army, they're tired. So they take a defensive position at the top of the hill, but they're just... They just can't deal with the Norman cavalry attacks. They wave after wave, wave after wave attacks. So William the Bastard defeats the king. Gobinson takes an arrow to the eye, dies. And the Bastard then is called the Conqueror from that point on. So the descendant of a man who is exiled from Norway, who decides he's going to raid France, becomes the King of England. Yeah. And Duke of Normandy. And like a lot of ages we talk about might not have distinct start and end points mm. and while there's debate about raids before London's Fern and all of this yeah it's still like it's it's really poetic because in the year 1066 like you were saying we have uh Hard- Hardrada who is he's called the last Viking he's very much like taking on all of the characteristics and kind of classical stereotype of viking behavior yes and him he kind of represents all of that comes over to do an invasion like they've done many times before Mm -hmm. and then we have the descendants of rollo coming from normandy in the very same year now these are also vikings who've gone out into the worlds but these are ones that have fully integrated yeah become part of a different system speaking french even at this point like yeah and and kind of shaped the feudal system to a large extent as well with their influence so kind of the blending of two cultures and two ways of working and yeah maybe it's not uh, necessarily like the case that the falling down of the old is really because of what they have like their behavior it's more maybe luck and chance mm-hmm. but it still really works from a very it's satisfying in a narrative it sense is yeah it is very the old viking ways die are killed in a glorious battle go to valhalla yeah. and the ones who adapted adopted christianity come in and become essentially the new ruling class the kings, yeah. moving forward and shape uh the face of that part of the world uh continuously just kind of undercover vikings because they're normans they're yeah, normans yeah yeah and it, it, it look i mean it's an and it's an interesting point i mean the vikings the culture of the vikings it lives on in ireland um they're not really conquered in ireland as such they just sort of blend so you mentioned earlier the war of the foreigner the irish with the foreigners the, the brian baru thing it really just isn't that simple um Baru was the high king in Ireland, which basically means he has a sort of a semi-religious and, he, and is acknowledged as the, as the most powerful of the kings. But the high kings would often deal with rebellions from, from lo- lesser kings, yeah. some of whom were Vikings, like the kings of Dublin. So one of Ivar's descendants was a guy called Citric Silkbeard, which is a great name. 
So he built Christchurch Cathedral, which still stands now. So he 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 started to build that, and a thousand years later, it's still there. He he uh, helped the king of Leinster rebel, essentially against Baru, and Baru brought brought his full army up, and it was a massive battle in the north of Dublin in Clontarf. Now Baru himself didn't actually fight in a battle because he was eighty years old, so he he won't he won't get involved. He was hanging out in a tent, which is now Marion's or uh, Mountjoy Square. So that's that's where he was hanging out. I know that doesn't make any sense to people listening to podcasts who aren't Dubliners, but these <laughs> makes a lot of sense to us. <laughs> yeah. So there's a big battle, and people portray this. Up, everyone. Yeah. People portray this later on as this is the end of the Vikings in Ireland. It's not really. It's not that simple. There's Vikings on both sides of the battle. Like now, uh, Dublin and Lancer lose the battle, but it's so, it's a pyrrhic victory. Baru's descendants lose the high kingship, and they yeah. never regain it. They never even come close to regain it. I mean, well. Look, they might regain the title, but they don't regain the power that Brian Baru had. Uh, and the Vikings persist in 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 Irish society. They just they just merge into into Irish society. When the Normans later come to Ireland, a century later, there are still Norse Gales living here, and they're they're even moved into different parts There's of the city. Lots of Irish surnames, which would be of an enormous amount. Of so most, like Reynolds would be of. McLaughlin. Yeah, or L- that literally Loughlin. means son of Loughlin, Norway. Yeah. Mm. You know, I mean, there's it's tons of. There, there, there's so many you just wouldn't realise. You know? The part of Dublin we're in, the county Fingal, that's blonde foreigners. Yeah. That's what I mean. It's like, you Fingal, know. Yeah. So they, they, they are very much integrated into the society in Ireland. So the idea that they're, that the Viking Age sort of ends, it doesn't, like you were saying. It's, in England, they actually take over. In Ireland, they just blend into the, into the Irish. Yeah. And as the saying goes, we make them more Irish than the Irish themselves. <laughs> Yeah, just like me coming over here, I know all about spice bags and hating the Brits. <laughs> <laughs> I've uh, and drinking pints of Guinness and yeah, whiskey. Yeah, that's right. Uh, come out, you black and tans, indeed. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, much like the Viking Age didn't truly end necessarily, we have to put a stop on it. Our discussion today uh, doesn't necessarily end here, but this has brought us to the end of the Viking Age. There's still so much to talk about so many of these interesting characters that were just mentioned in passing that some of which potentially deserve a whole episode all onto themselves but this does bring us to the end of our coverage for season three of real history so if you want to hear more about vikings in general do let us know if you don't you can let us know that as well but i've had a great time maybe it's just because i have a bias in this uh, and i'm like i think they're cool but vikings like I, I could talk about them culturally as well for ages. Mm. Like it's re- really interesting. We didn't even get into the religion, really. Yeah, I exactly. mean, we could do a full episode on that. Like absolutely. Um, so let us know if you want more on that. Like it's really interesting culturally because I'm like uh, attracted to it, but also repulsed by it. And yeah. like it's it's there's loads to talk about. Um, and it's a really pop. Like they're very popular as a historical stereotype. You know, yeah. along the lines of pirates or ninjas or samurai like i was saying before and knights obviously <laughs> knights of course which yeah. and they then become knights the normans like we were saying so heaps to talk about but for now that ends our coverage uh let us know in a review on apple Podcasts or send us an email at shows what you know show at gmail.com you can also tweet at us that's at real underscore history and uh beyond that i guess shows what you know dot com for all of our episodes and yeah any final words on vikings that's I would happily do another five episodes on this. So if you do like it... Uh, Series yeah. four will just be about Vikings. Yeah. Yeah, do yeah. tweet us. But, uh, yeah, cheers. It's, yeah, that might be Series four, but for now, that's the end of the reel. <laughs>